And welcome, friends, to another episode of the Nudgecast. My name is Phil Bean. I'm your host, and I'm co-founder and president at Nudge. And today on the show, I'm going to be sitting down with a very important strategic advisor to us at Nudge as we've been learning more and more about the complexities and how to navigate population health management and healthcare issues. Dan Hemke, the Chief Business Officer for Base Health. Um, he's also just a, a you know, extremely experienced healthcare executive. So he served as um, Western U.S. President and CEO for Humana um, in leadership roles at Aetna, at United Healthcare. So the man's been in the industry for more than 25 years. He's going to bring a lot of experience. And throughout all of that, he's managed to be kind of a disruptive thinker and, and really progressive. And, and my gosh, does his mind move fast. So I'm just going to try to keep up for this episode where we're going to be talking a lot about engagement, imagine that, and why he refers to it as the linchpin for connecting predictive analytics, um, which is you know, big, big in his mind in terms of what he does also with Base Health, which is a, a really um, advanced uh, predictive analytics company. Um, engagement is the linchpin between predictive analytics and population health management. So should be a really in- interesting conversation. So I'm going to go ahead and bring Dan in. So let's get over to it. I'm hanging out here on a snowy Wednesday in Richmond, Virginia. And luckily, it's not snowy where um, Dan is calling in from. Um, but excited to have you on, Dan. We've had a lot of conversations just internally since you've been kind of collaborating with us and kind of been, you know, one of our, our key advisors when it comes to the healthcare space and learning to navigate all the different issues that touch population health management. But um, before we kind of dive into some deeper conversations, I wanted to give you a chance that's, you know, we haven't had you on before to just go ahead and, and ask if you wouldn't mind just kind of giving us a little back of your background. I know you've been in the healthcare industry for a long time, so I would love to hear just kind of what jumps to mind when, when you think about your 25 years experience in the industry. Yeah. Um, well, thanks a lot, Phil. I mean, first and foremost, it's a pleasure to, to be here. I appreciate the invitation. Um, uh, as, as you indicated, I have uh, I've been in the industry for uh, a long time. Um, uh, my current role as chief business officer for uh, Base Health has probably more intimately involved me with some of the key elements it's going to take to be successful in the population health space uh, than maybe ever before, partially because of the, um, the unique qualities of the analytics that base health is generating around identifying the rising risk within populations. And the reason that I bring that up is because if you look at, you know, populations today in contrast to the way I historically looked at them, you know, the tendency has been to focus in on, on those people that are driving a lot of utilization and cost today, roughly about 5% of your population. Um, unfortunately, it's not those people that we exclusively need to focus in on going forward. In fact, um, if you look uh, prospectively over the next 12 months, um, the, the only about 1% of those people really represent liability and represent a lot of opportunity for um, health management effectiveness. The other 4% are actually transitioning from low to moderate risk to high risk. And the reason I bring that up is because um, my background, I, I've spent 25 plus years in the industry, uh, started my career at Mercer <clears throat> many years ago as a, uh, a benefit consultant. Um, Served in a variety of leadership roles in the uh, health plan industry. Uh, my last uh, formal corporate role was as the uh, Western U.S. president and CEO for Humana. 
And I would say throughout that period of time, one of the, the most significant challenges we've been facing is the unsustainability of healthcare costs and continued erosion of population health. And fact is, uh, the only way we are going to begin or to have an opportunity to favorably bend those cost trends and actually begin to start uh, uh, positively influencing population health in America is by being more intelligent about the way that we do it. And it's one of the reasons I'm so passionate about engagement. One of the reasons I'm so passionate about Nudge Coach is because I do believe at the end of the day, uh, engagement is the linchpin that really is going to connect uh, the value of the kind of analytics being generated uh, by base health and the, and the uh, significant number of um, population health management uh, innovations uh, that we're seeing uh, being deployed around the country. Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm really interested in, well, just because I, I have you for the first time and get to ask you these kind of personal questions, you know, you've been around the industry, like you said, for, for quite a while. Um, you mentioned that, that population health management has been an issue for a long time. I mean, was that something that you were thinking about, you know, even 25 years ago, or how has this sort of evolved over the last, you know, decade or so? You know, it's, it's, it's really funny you ask because, in many uh, respects, I, I almost think of myself as a serial failure in population health because <laughs> I've been working to solve these problems for so long. But the truth of it is, is even when I started my career um, with, with Mercer almost 30 years ago now, um, we were looking at the same things. In fact, a good portion of my job as an analyst at that time was looking at insurance claims data and trying to understand those things that were really driving utilization and cost and trying to figure out a way, you know, uh, that we could, um, you know, drive improved health. And in fact, you know, and at that time, it was largely yeah. around concepts around health promotion and wellness. But candidly, we were talking about the unsustainability of healthcare cost trends uh, 25 years ago. That's amazing. Well, that, no, I'm just, I'm glad I got that opportunity to ask you because um, kind of wonder about that every now and then. It's amazing. You know, all those things sounded very familiar, Dan. So we're still dealing with the same issues. Yeah. We, um, we, so yeah. I know you just got back from HIMSS, um, obviously a massive annual conference. Um, so it's one of the easiest places to kind of get your finger on the pulse of, of what's being talked about across healthcare and across population health. Um, yeah, just curious, you know, what were some of the kind of lasting impressions and themes you caught while you were while you were at HIMSS? And I know you were presenting too, right, with Dr. Dr. Bradley from Banner. Yes, right? it, it, exactly. Um, so, you know, uh, if, if you've ever been to HIMSS or for any of the folks that, you know, might be listening to this, of course, it's always great being out there with about 50,000 of your closest friends. So it's kind of an overwhelming experience. Um, but but it is kind of fascinating, and and we were we did have a great opportunity to present with uh, Dr. Bradley from uh, Banner Health, and um, uh, it, it was really a, you know it's always a fun experience. But the one thing that's that was really interesting, I would say, over the last couple of years, having been out there, the the core themes were you know really around uh, predictive analytics, and you know how are we going to really identify people and. Uh, look at the kind of interventional things that we should be doing to, again, really, you know, start to uh, improve upon these challenges or solve some of these challenges that we've talked about. But I would say this year, you know, it was clear that one of the undercurrents within the whole conference was really around member engagement. And I think that there was, you know, a, a classic appreciation for the fact that, you know, uh, the value of analytics and the value of clinical care and health management pathways 
is largely determined by how effective organizations are uh, in getting patients and members to be engaged, you know, with those efforts that they're trying to uh, put in place to improve health and, and control costs. I would say overall, it's, it's the code that everyone is trying to crack right now. Mm-hmm. So kind of connectivity and engagement, um, the ability of these organizations to kind of, um, you know, build engagement, I guess, into their, their solutions in order to actually have an impact, right? Nothing yep. can happen without engagement. That's kind of the, the first piece of the puzzle and like, the linchpin, like you said. So um, kind of piggybacking off that, I mean, we've gotten a, to mention predictive analytics a little bit. Um, if you wouldn't mind, because I know like a lot of people that are listening maybe aren't, you know, big time healthcare wonks or maybe sort of kind of moving into healthcare or sort of different levels of, of experience and background. So um, if you could just sort of like from a big picture outline, you know, what all goes into a population health management solution in terms of, you know, we have the predictive analytics piece, for example, we have the engagement piece. Can you kind of outline how these pieces fit together to, to build out a, a total solution? Yeah. So, you know, I think that in, in, from that perspective, I think that's one of the things that's exciting about the time that we're in, because I really think for the first time, um, these things are really starting to come together and there's an opportunity to connect these dots in a way that really provides a, a, a solution chain, so to speak. So it really does start with analytics. And, you know, I talked a little bit about the whole concept around the way the historical view and, and how we're increasingly looking at rising risk within populations. And I would say it starts with, you know, frankly, this bridge from kind of the big data population level uh, view of financial liability and um, population health risk down to the actionable small data member level um, where we're really looking at um, what are the conditions that we need to focus in, what are the risk factors, and who are the actual patients or members where we have the greatest opportunity to be effective from a, uh, a clinical perspective and also from a cost avoidance and ROI perspective. And then, of course, you know, once you've identified you know, who those people are and where there's the greatest opportunity to really improve health, then you also have to have the programs that go along with it. And I also think that's one of the things that's coming out of analytics is it's helping you know, organizations like Banner and others to think strategically and tactically around you know, what are the clinical and health management programs that you really need to have in place. Um, and in, in so doing, um, you can then determine how you have to you know, develop those programs, design them, resource them. And many of those uh, types of uh, initiatives today are really, again, being built around some of the most significant issues that we're seeing within populations like, you know, type 2 diabetes and coronary artery disease and those sorts of things, but also around the risk factors that are driving them and whether those risk factors are hypertension or cholesterol mm. or BMI. Um, and then, you know, like I said, in the middle of it all is you've got to figure out a way to connect with these people and then get them engaged with those initiatives um, and also sustain their involvement. Because for many of these people, if you're going to either, you know, manage um, their conditions and or try to intervene earlier where there's chronic or acute conditions or trauma risks that you can do something about, you have to connect with these people and you got to get them involved. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And I think it's really interesting how you laid that out. And, and I think that painted a very clear picture for, you know, people who may be trying to map this out in their minds. But 
Um, you can start to see, you know, challenges that have been there in the past um, and pitfalls that have possibly been there in the past as far as, you know, and the reason that, that you mentioned earlier, predictive analytics were such a big theme over the past several years. It's something like HIMS and obviously industry-wide um, is that, you know, potentially we're wasting resources or using valuable resources on too broad a swath of the populations, right? So that's the idea there is to hone down and spend resources exactly where you need them. Am I, am I accurate there? Yeah, totally. And, you know, you, you asked me earlier about kind of earlier portions of my career and, you know, so much of, of what was being pioneered at that time was around, you know, concepts around health promotion and wellness. And while well-intended, I think it's, you know, clear and the evidence is, is, is there to suggest that these initiatives weren't very effective in generating ROI because, in fact, we were casting the net too broadly, and for mm-hmm. to a large extent, the people that were generally participating in those kinds of initiatives, in many respects, were already well to begin with, or they already were involved in, you know, fitness activities, taking care of themselves. I mean, it's it's the kind of problem that Fitbit and others have been facing. That there's no denial that um, the the tools that are that are out there today are very powerful and useful, but they're only useful to the mm-hmm. extent that they're getting used. And then the question is. How can we <laughs> the use of those tools among those people that really need it the most? Yeah, so so true, and it's I love how logical that was. It's uh, they're only useful to the extent that they're being used, which may be kind of the reason for our company's existence in the first place at Nudge. So I can thank uh, Fitbit for that bit. Um, so you know, there sort you get past the predictive analytics piece, and and. In a way, there kind of become two levels of, I guess, engagement if we're kind of trying to define that. Um, There's sort of the the capture level of engagement, right, where you need to kind of, again, connect in the first place with um, the target population that you're you're working with. And then the sort of sustain bit or the, the retention piece of engagement where you need to have a program that's designed with an engagement strategy that's, you know, functional enough to keep someone on track over time. So have you seen, you know, many solutions that are really identifying those two different steps and addressing them both? Well, not really, because, you know, if you, if you, you take a look at this whole engagement challenge, and I, and I think that's part of the reason that you're going to see that um, the, the engagement really gets, is going to increasingly be redefined. I would say if you look at, you know, most of the legacy approaches, they were very people intensive. Um, they were geared towards, you know, either in-person coaching or telephonic or even now, you know, video coaching and that sort of thing. Um, but but very, uh, while they might be effective, they're not very efficient. They're very, very expensive. And it's hard, again, to sustain them because of the expense. On the other hand, I think with the advent of, you know, technology and, and healthables and wearables and the ability to connect remote monitoring devices and that sort of thing, I think this, there was this hope and belief that, you know, we could largely do it uh, through technology. But the fact is we found that that hasn't been very effective um, as well because of, again, low adoption rate, low compliance rate, and again, maybe not the right people um, necessarily using those kinds of tools. So I really think mm-hmm. the, the one of the things that makes um, Nudge Coach very unique is that it really is a hybrid in bringing together the, the best of uh, the kind of coaching and um, health management guidance that can come through people, but the optimization of it through technology that also can make it affordable. And I, I also think there's another element to it, and that is the fact that 
um, and, and of course we're increasingly seeing this today, is that there really is a science around engagement. And that science is around both, um, you know, what works most effectively for most members, you know, in the context of what's their persona, you know, what works for Dan versus what works for Phil. Mm-hmm. But also the science around how um, health managers, clinicians, coaches for that matter, actually engage people, engage them differently, and, uh, you know, really drive effectiveness of both the communication and the uh, engagement endeavors. Yeah, and I think we've gotten such an interesting perspective on this coming from kind of where we do in the industry. We, we've, we've sort of been at, at Nudge, our journey has been sort of a ground up approach and um, we've been sort of moving up market and evolving um, in order to move up market. But it's been fascinating for us, I think, Dan, to see like even, even engaging with some of these sort of small to mid-market groups who are providing engagement or, or coaching solutions maybe for, for some of these healthcare providers. Um, you know, the, the struggles that they're having with defining kind of their strategy and how we're having to, in these conversations, you know, in the end, of course, we're a, a technology company, but we're also really having to dedicate ourselves and figure out with them, you know, hey, let's take a step back here and make sure, you know, do we know who you're targeting specifically? Let's shrink down this initial audience and let's work through, you know, focusing on this tiny subset of this massive group of people that you're, you know, saying that you could engage for this, for this healthcare initiative, but um, kind of redirecting your resources in the right place. That's always where our conversation starts. So it's interesting that that's, you know, such a larger healthcare theme as well, when we're kind of coming at it originally from kind of the small to mid market space and seeing it even from that area. So it, it, it evolves and, and it has ramifications all the way through the market, which is just fascinating to me, I think. Yeah, ab- absolutely. You know, it's interesting. Um, work that uh, Base Health has done with, with Banner has really illustrated that in so many ways. I mean, i give you an example of, you know, looking at uh, Medicare Advantage population, you know, with 50,000 people in it, um, where the base health analytics identified, you know, clearly that there were an excess of 20,000 of those people that you could do something with from an interventional perspective to actually, you know, reduce costs or reduce their risk. But at the same time, that's not a very um, uh, executable number. <laughs> so, right. um, uh, at the same time, the, the fact is, is, again, the cost would be very uh, uh, onerous. Scalability is very difficult. But interestingly enough, as you, you continue to kind of ratchet down, so to speak, and increasingly focus, what you find is even out of a group of that many, you're probably talking, you know, less than a couple thousand people where you really want to focus your energies and where, you know, you can really make a difference. And that kind of has been a, a universal um, uh, outcome uh, or observation within all of the analytics that uh, have been produced by, by Base Health and have been generated by Banner. Again, it really comes back to, you know, if you, if you are going to be effective, you have to be very focused. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, if you look at um, some of the challenges, again, that have gone along with engagement, one is the, is the high failure rate. And part of that is because, you know, focus on too many people, and then also not the right focus and the right kind of, of um, focus. I mean, I've, I've actually been on calls mm-hmm. where, you know, basically coaches are doing nothing more than making a phone call 
and uh, has you know have little more to offer than say, hey, we we. We, we wanted to check up on you or we wanted to, you know, schedule a, a visit or something like that, but really nothing more engaging than that to actually try to stimulate some involvement or, you know, make something, uh, you know, work that would, that would be effective for that individual. And, and that's a big, you know, that's a big part of the challenge. And then, you know, the other aspect of it is, is with the amount of investment being made, uh, by organizations responsible for the health of populations, both in analytics and in their clinical programs, you have to be focused to be able to get a return on investment. Otherwise, you'll lose a lot mm-hmm. of money. Fast. Absolutely. And any, honestly, anyone who's had an experience with even marketing initiatives can kind of start to wrap their head around the importance and the value of, of being able to focus on, you know, very clear and defined personas. And, you know, when you get into kind of more depth with uh, behavioral factors and, and you know, really what is going to make these programs effective in, in our opinion, and I think you, you feel the same way, is kind of combining what we know from a, um, you know, a, a risk perspective from the types of data that someone like a base is able to pull and combining that with kind of an understanding from a behavioral um, from the behavioral side of, of where these people are and in, in their readiness for change and readiness to engage in these types of programs is really kind of where we can get efficient enough to make a difference. And I think what's, what's interesting is kind of the idea, something that we could touch on is the idea of like, how are we making, we, we've identified that yes, technology alone isn't going to be um, adequate as a solution that won't engage people or sustain engagement for sure. So I think the question becomes, right, how do we make these human interventions extremely scalable, right? And targeting is part of it. Um, but you also mentioned care pathways and how that comes in. So it, this all works together sort of, but what are like some of the key kind of care pathways and, and kind of, I guess we've talked a little bit about conditions, but scenarios that, you know, we think a lot of these organizations need to focus on first in order to address the biggest needs. Well, it's an excellent question because I also think, you know, that's part of the evolution that's going on. And I think I would say that, you know, we've, we've come a long way. I mean, the in, you know, a good portion of, of my days, you know, in running health plans, so much of the emphasis was on what was referred to as disease management. Um, and I would say today, you know, I've heard this said by, you know, a lot of top-notch people in the industry that we can no longer confuse disease management with population health. And the same is true with engagement. You know, we can't, you know, confuse outreach with uh, engagement. And so I I think it starts with, you know, kind of thinking differently and and kind of, you know, shifting the paradigm, so to speak. I think the same is true around the concept around, you know, clinical and health management pathways. Uh, So much focus has been, um, you know, really uh, uh, on conditions you know, like type 2 diabetes and like coronary artery disease as an example, and, and for obvious reasons. I mean, these are problems of epidemic proportion. Um, but the problem is, is at the end of the day, you have um, individuals that are at risk for this, these conditions, all of whom are different, um, all of whom have different personas and have different ways in which you're going to be effective in connecting and coaching with them. And then in addition to that, they're... they're um, all somewhat unique in terms of kind of their combination of risk factors. You know, for some, the leading driver might be, you know, BMI. For others, it could be blood, blood pressure, hypertension, you know, or, or cholesterol. And the reason I say that is because I think that that's part 
of what we increasingly need to do is to not only focus more on the individual, but also focus on, on the risk factors that are driving it. Because control of the risk factors is going to significantly mitigate the disease risk. Um, and, I, and I think we're going to you know, see more intelligent applications around it. I also think, you know, if you kind of think about the kind of the individual persona stuff and you kind of think about risk factors and, again, ways in which we need to um, operationalize some of these solutions to drive effectiveness, a lot of it really comes back to something that you commented on. And that is, you know, this whole concept of being able to, you know, mine data to help us, you know, figure these things out more effectively. And, you know, frankly, just about every other industry has has been doing that for a long time. I mean, the retail industry, mm-hmm. the banking industry, uh, the you know uh, airline industry. I mean, these these industries have driven consumerism to just about everything that they've done to get consumers more engaged, and then you know use learnings uh, from the the data that they're capturing to figure out how to do things more effectively. And that, that same sort of thing has to happen in healthcare. Um, I think, again, we're at a better point uh, in being able to do that, partially because consumers are bearing more of the cost. Mm-hmm. You know, whether grudgingly or enthusiastically, they're kind of getting dragged into <laughs> being a more active participant, which creates opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Sort of the customerization of the healthcare consumer is, is happening, which is, you know, it, there's a lot to be said for how motivating the wallet can be. <laughs> No, well, I think Ben Franklin said it a long time ago, and that is no, no one spends money more wisely than they spend their own. And I think now that, that so many consumers are actually paying essentially out of pocket, even if they're covered by good insurance plans, for uh, much of their care. And, um, and then combine that with the fact that some of the things that actually still are, are free and available to them are many of the things we're talking about. You know, the health management programs, the you know, technology, many of these things uh, are readily available to them um, at no cost. So, you know, again, I think a lot of those things are coming together. And I, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I had people, you know, challenge me many times on saying, well, I, I just don't think, you know, the average consumer, you know, can really handle this and, and uh, you know, it's too complicated for them. And first of all, if you look at, at uh, there's a lot of data points to suggest that that's not true. I mean, if you look at um, high deductible health plans and, sa- and health savings accounts and the dramatic growth we've seen over the last many years. I mean, it still represents one of the fastest growing insurance products in history. Now, a lot of that's driven in clearly by, you know, benefit strategy and stuff like that. But, you know, consumers are very malleable. I mean, they, they, they learn to navigate as they have tools and um, they, they're increasingly motivated to do it when they have skin in the game. Um, you know, I always look at, I always think it's, it's funny when people say, well, consumers, you know, can't handle it is, you know, who would have thought, you know, 10, 15 years ago that you could get somebody to pay five bucks for something that they historically spent a dollar for. And in the process of it, learn an entire new language when they're going to Starbucks and asking for, you know, a vente breve, no foam, extra hot latte. And that's because caffeine is highly motivating, Dan. Well, it's 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 it, it's true. It's the caffeine, but you know what? It it really is. And and I I I I think it's so much a part of kind of the whole concept that we're talking about. It, it's it's the experience. Stupid. Um, people mm-hmm. are willing to pay five bucks and learn a new language because of the experience. Now, yeah, they may like the coffee 
but I'm not convinced they like the coffee that much better than at Dunkin' Donuts or at McDonald's. Um, but you have a lot of people making conscious choices to do that. And in so doing, you know, are doing it because the whole, you know, gestalt, the whole experience is something that they're actually enjoying. And I think as we look to kind of crack this code around engagement, I think that's part of it. I think it's part of making fun. I, I, I think about, you know, one of the things I, I saw you guys sharing at one point, um, you guys shared a, a video with me where a, an older woman is actually, you know, walking into her uh, living room and she actually asks uh, Alexis, you know, what's on our calendar for today. And, you know, Alexis is reminding her that, well, don't forget, uh, you know, Harriet, you need to check your weight today and you, you make, make sure to check that blood pressure. Well, you know, you kind of think about that as well. That's kind of onerous and boy, that, you know, are they going to actually do it? But you got to remember for somebody living alone like that, um, that, that's an interesting kind of companion that's there kind of looking out for them. And I think it's going to be interesting as we, as we kind of match those kind of technologies along with the, you know, kind of science and, and uh, uh, platform capabilities you guys are offering. Yeah, absolutely. And and we're really tying the experience together with, you know, the introduction of, or just the tying in of things like Alexa. It's really meeting every consumer where they are. And, and healthcare certainly has the means to, to go about doing that in an effective way. I think we're just kind of pushing forward into that age and it's, and it's coming fairly quickly, I think. But li- like you said, you know, we're, in healthcare, kind of a little bit behind the trends, maybe in other other industries, but but catching up quickly, we can hope no, anyway. Yeah, no, no, no doubt about it. And I and I think you know that's why, as again, you look at at how um, engagement gets really def- redefined, and you know what are the key elements that go along with it, and the key performance indicators. But I think ultimately, at the end of the day, um, the game changer uh, that really is going to help to drive down healthcare costs and improve population health is having um, efficient and effective ways uh, to engage people because that, that really is going to be what makes the difference because you can deploy this stuff in a more scalable fashion. I mean, it's interesting. There are, there are lots of companies out there today, some very big named companies that are doing a lot um, in terms of helping employees and members with um, telephonic uh, navigation of their employee benefit plans and giving them, you know, health uh, uh, navigation guidance in terms of, you know, problems and stuff that they're facing. And those services are invaluable. The problem is, is they're just way too expensive to scale. Mm -hmm. And other than, you know, the major corporations that have the ability to invest in those kind of programs, you're not going to see that for the average um, American consumer. So true. Well, Dan, I think this has been extremely educational. I hope you know people out there have gotten as much out of it as, as I always do when we get to connect. So appreciate having you as a resource and looking forward to having you on a few more times in the future, but appreciate your time today. Sounds good, Phil. I appreciate it as well. And I do apologize uh, for the barking, occasional barking in the background, but my, my uh, young puppy chocolate lab, Mabel, wanted to weigh in on the conversation as well. So Well, I actually have a dog in the apartment here too. So we're lucky that we didn't have more than one on the podcast, but they're always welcome. Sounds good. Thanks again to Dan Hamke for joining us. Gosh, that guy has a rapid intellect as you guys can see. So really looking forward to lots more conversations with him in the future. Big shout out to our friends at Base Health for the work they're doing in advanced analytics. Go check them out. 
Um, all this will be in the show notes, guys. But uh, make sure you pop over to our website, nudgecoach.com. Uh, find the podcast section, go through the show notes for this one. Uh, there will also be links to a webinar we're doing with Dan coming up. Um, really going to be some insightful stuff on how to set up a population health management initiative, what goes into it, and how you can make sure that you build engagement into your model there. Um, so really exciting stuff coming up for us. And looking forward to seeing you all on more episodes of the Nudgecast. Make sure you've subscribed in your favorite podcast app. Maybe even give us a five-star rating if that's possible in there. And we will see you guys again next time. 